What Californians Need to Know About Silvergate Silvergate Bank's quick demise through a self-liquidation is prompting a closer look at the many red flags that ensnared the California bank even before the collapse of cryptocurrency exchange FTX late last year forced a run on deposits. The state-chartered Silvergate's voluntary liquidation, announced Wednesday, will allow the La Jolla, California-based bank to wind down its operations, sell remaining assets and pay off its depositors. The process is being monitored by California's Department of Financial Protection and Innovation. Among the many lessons to be learned from Silvergate's collapse is that a liquidity crunch can quickly engulf a bank, particularly if management makes the wrong bet on interest rates, experts said. Silvergate's monoline business model was concentrated in the crypto industry, where the risks and correlated aftershocks were not fully understood. They didn't think deposits would dissipate so quickly in an environment where the securities portfolio was deeply underwater, said Todd H. Baker, senior fellow at the Richmond Center for Business, Law and Public Policy at Columbia Business School and Columbia Law School. Silvergate's management underestimated how much they were exposed in multiple ways to interest rate rises, and they probably underestimated how aggressive the regulators would be trying to essentially get a handle on their overall situation. Baker added. Silvergate had an unusual business model, holding billions in zero-interest deposits from crypto exchanges. Both FTX and Alameda Research had accounts at Silvergate. It also operated the Silvergate Exchange Network cryptocurrency trading platform that served as a payments network for crypto companies to swap fiat currencies with each other. When the bank shut its network last week, crypto depositors fled en masse. The deposit and industry concentration, interest rate squeeze and lack of any other meaningful business were self-inflicted wounds. Diversification is important for risk management, Baker said. And liquidity risk is real. Number 1 What happened to Silvergate? Silvergate faced a run on deposits and liquidity crisis in November after the collapse of FTX and its trading firm Alameda Research. When other crypto exchanges that were depositors at Silvergate started pulling their money out of the bank in the wake of the failure, Silvergate also sought to shore up its liquidity by tapping the Federal Home Loan Bank of San Francisco for $4.3 billion in the fourth quarter. While the San Francisco bank provided Silvergate with a low-cost, short-term loan, it also highlighted the larger liquidity problem. The bulk of Silvergate's $4.6 billion in cash in January came from the Home Loan Bank, according to Silvergate's own select financial metrics. Silvergate's management could have sold assets to outside investors at fair market value, but doing so would have resulted in losses, experts said. Silvergate instead chose to tap the Home Loan Bank system for emergency cash, which set off a cascade of events with news stories highlighting the bank's need for emergency funding triggering more depositors to flee. In early February Silvergate was reportedly enmeshed in a criminal investigation by the Department of Justice's fraud unit looking into the crypto bank's dealings with bankrupt FTX and Alameda. In a call report filed in late January, Silvergate listed 503 accounts totaling $3.8 billion in which depositors had more than $250,000. Another 3,302 accounts totaling $2.5 billion were for deposits of $250,000 or less, according to the report filed January 27 with the Federal Financial Institutions Examination Council. 
Silvergate declined to comment beyond its published statements. Stephen Sugerman, founder of Change Company and a former founder of Bank of California, compared what happened to Silvergate to a run on deposits at IndyMac Bank in 2008. Senator Chuck Schumer, DN.Y, had warned that he was concerned about a withdrawal of deposits, which sparked a run on the California bank. Within weeks, after billions of withdrawals, federal regulators had taken over the bank. It doesn't help to provide emergency liquidity, it helps to provide liquidity in the ordinary course, said Sugerman. Anytime you take emergency financing where your current assets and current liabilities don't match, depositors get scared. It's kind of funny because it's the crypto people depositing money that got nervous about having the money in an FDIC-insured bank. Silvergate's liquidity issues were exacerbated by old-fashioned interest rate risk, not crypto-related credit losses. Silvergate warned investors in a Securities and Exchange Commission filing on March 1 that it projected taking additional losses from the sale of securities to repay the Home Loan Bank of San Francisco. It also issued a warning that it might not continue as a going concern. Number 2 Will Silvergate's demise lead to new or different regulations? Bank liquidations, distinct from bank failures, are not unheard of but several industry experts agree self-liquidation events like Silvergate's are unusual. These are very unusual, John Safranoff, partner at the consulting firm Capco, wrote in an email. Even with a bank failure, there is typically an acquiring bank. Based on our research, the most recent voluntary liquidation was January 2022, when Marlin Business Bank ceased operations after its parent company sale. Unlike most banks, Silvergate heavily relied on crypto investor-funded deposits, which amounted to 82% of its deposit base as of late 2021. Given the warning signs, some industry experts say regulators could have seen the bank's demise coming and acted sooner to prevent it. Karen Petro, managing partner at Federal Financial Analytics, characterizes Silvergate's downfall as a regulatory failure to prevent Silvergate from concentrating so much of its deposit base in one business line. No bank failure is a regulatory success, Petro said. Silvergate's voluntary liquidation is a failure and then some that could and should have been averted had the agencies taken action on funding concentration risk and other blinking red lights going back at least a year on the bank's balance sheet. Ian Katz, managing director of Capital Alpha Partners, said that regulators had already made abundantly clear the risks crypto posed, and that Silvergate's liquidation was well-timed for crypto skeptics looking to turn the screws on crypto banks. Regulators have already been warning about the dangers of getting involved in crypto, and they will use Silvergate as a cautionary tale, Katz wrote in an email. Bart Naylor, a financial policy advocate for public citizen, echoed that sentiment, saying regulators and markets can and should use this episode as a reason not to get deeply involved in crypto. But he also said it would probably not lead to new or changed regulations. I hope this clarifies the industry's understanding that bank regulators don't look kindly on the fake money business, Naylor said. I don't foresee rule changes, simply enforcement of current law. Indeed, all but the most bullish crypto banks have taken steps to limit their exposure to crypto markets.
Other major crypto banks like Signature Bank which recently scaled back its crypto exposure will be the focus of greater scrutiny and concern because of their exposure to similar assets and clients. I'd expect examiners to emphasize two basic tenets of risk management, customer due diligence and third-party risk management, wrote Safranov, who also noted that ultimately Congress will need to enact a regulatory framework to translate existing rules to the crypto space. The ball is with Congress to pass laws that direct the relevant agencies to create implementing regulations, he added. I would think the Federal Reserve, from a market perspective, the SEC, from an investor protection perspective although they aren't securities, there is certainly investment risk, and maybe the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, from a consumer protection perspective, will have a role to play in a crypto regulatory regime, Safranov said. Ultimately Congress will have to decide. Number 3 Did bank supervisors take their eyes off the ball? Whether the bank's supervisors the Federal Reserve and the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation used their authority to ensure the safety and soundness of the institution is a debatable question. Julie Hill, a University of Alabama law professor who specializes in bank regulation, said that the fact that Silvergate was able to dissolve without broader financial consequences and at no cost to depositors or the federal government is proof that supervisors were on top of the situation. This is, by and large, a good story for banking supervision, Hill said. They let a supervised bank try something new, it didn't work out perfectly, but now it looks like they'll have a failure without consequence. All the depositors will get their money back with no loss to the deposit insurance fund. But others say the fact that Silvergate found itself in this place to begin with reflects poorly on the bank's supervisors. Dan Ori, a Cornell University professor of corporate law and financial regulation, said the outcome raises questions about the supervision of Silvergate, given how concentrated the bank seems to have been in risky, crypto-related activities. Ori also noted that regulators not only let the bank incorporate federal home loan bank advances into its capital plan, but also, ultimately, allowed the bank to use them to stave off a bank run spurred by FTX's collapse. I don't really see any evidence that supervision worked here, especially in the wider view where Silvergate's business model appears to have been so highly concentrated in crypto and reliant on crypto-related deposits and yet was still able to tap liquidity from the FHLB system he said. Still, Ori said the unwinding of Silvergate has been remarkably smooth. Whether regulators had a hand in that process, it appears to have been the right course of action. If it works, it's not a bad outcome, he said. In public remarks on crypto regulation Thursday, Fed Vice Chair for Supervision Michael Barr, pictured above, said liquidity risks and concentration have been the two of the pillars for the central bank's approach to crypto supervision. Barr did not address Silvergate directly, but he said the Fed has attempted to educate banks about these risks related to crypto, pointing to public guidance issued alongside the Federal Deposit Insurance Corp and Office of the Controller of the Currency in recent weeks. He also noted that the onus of managing these risks, particularly in smaller banks, falls on the banks themselves. We tend to have a very light-touch approach to smaller institutions, he said. And so there's more of an impetus on them to actually be paying attention to these new and novel risks, and we need to make sure that they understand them. Todd Phillips, 
an independent consultant and former FDIC lawyer, said the risks and concentrations of crypto-related deposits and assets on Silvergate's balance sheet should have been flagged by the Fed or California's DFPI. Yet, he said, it's difficult to render a verdict about the efficacy of the state and federal supervisors without knowing what conversations and actions occurred behind the scenes. It's an opaque process, and it's difficult for us outside the bank to have a really good idea of what happened, Phillips said, noting that an outside review of what transpired could be in order once the bank is fully dissolved. Hill said the Silvergate episode can now serve as a learning experience for both banks and supervisors, to realize what works and what does not, both from a business and supervisory perspective. She said the debate about whether Silvergate's unwinding should be celebrated by supervisors ultimately hinges on whether one believes their job is to make banks as risk-averse as possible, or if they should make sure risks taken by banks do not have broader consequences. Regulators and banks could take a very conservative approach and say, we're not going to ever have banks close or ever have bank failures, Hill said. But the danger with that is that you choke off new ideas not just for business models, but for technology and innovation and you cut off credit to people whose lives would be improved by it. We don't need tons and tons of bank failures, but we have lots of banks, so it isn't the worst thing in the world to have a bank failure every now and then. Number 4 Does this change the politics of crypto? The liquidation of Silvergate got immediate notice from some lawmakers, although crypto's biggest proponents in Washington have largely been silent on the issue. Crypto's detractors such as Senate Banking Committee Chair Sherrod Brown, D. Ohio, picture above, reacted quickly after news spread about Silvergate's official wind down. As the impact of FTX's collapse continues to ripple outward, today we are seeing what can happen when a bank is over-reliant on a risky, volatile sector like cryptocurrencies, Brown said in a statement. I've been concerned that when banks get involved with crypto, it spreads risk across the financial system and it will be taxpayers and consumers who pay the price. Other lawmakers, such Senator Elizabeth Warren, D. Mass, who previously raised concerns about Silvergate's use of home loan bank funding after deposits were pulled from Silvergate in the wake of FTX's collapse, took to Twitter to reiterate concerns about the bank and its ties to crypto. Those who've been boosters of the crypto industry particularly those on banking-related committees largely haven't weighed in. Senator Tim Scott, RS.C., the ranking member of the Senate Banking Committee, has yet to issue a statement, nor has Representative Patrick McHenry, RN.C., chairman of the House Financial Services Committee. Representative French Hill, RARC, chairman of the Subcommittee on Digital Assets, Financial Technology and Inclusion, oversaw a hearing Thursday afternoon the day after Silvergate's announced liquidation with former banking regulators as witnesses, and didn't mention the bank in either his opening statement or his questions. The issue of banks and how they back up crypto exchanges, particularly via pass-through insurance for consumer deposits, is an increasingly important issue in Congress as lawmakers figure out a bevy of crypto-related bills. As far as the fate of those bills, Ian Katz, a managing director with Capital Alpha Partners, said that the collapse of Silvergate has likely made it more difficult for crypto promoters to prevail in any eventual crypto regulation bill. I see it as more straws on the camel's back, he said. It strengthens the skeptical view of the anti-crypto crowd. It lets them say I told you so, 
and it makes it a bit harder for crypto defenders to make their case. In general, I think each bad news event contributes a little bit to crypto legislation ending up tougher, Katz added. Some lawmakers will say they need to add some element to the legislation to make sure the latest blow-up can't happen again, and if they get their way, the legislation gets tougher on the industry. Source cited American Banker